so, so good to be here and to take, all in, take in all your warm faces. What a great day. And what an exciting day for the Ong family and for the North Point family. This is a, a real privilege for Crean and I to come back on this uh, special day and be here. And well, of course, uh, I won't speak uh, in this next comment to Jenny, but it, it should be noted that uh, the two previous uh, senior lead pastors, whatever you want to call us, uh, have lost their hair along the way. So I just think of, of Gary, and i just thinking this is what's to come, uh, maybe, uh, just so you know. Um, but let me, let me say this. There's something else that I'm going to emphasize today, even though it's not part of the service, and that's this. A big congratulations ought to go to Spencer and Georgia because they got engaged last night or yesterday. Now, I think this is a great way for you to meet the North Point family, and I'm excited about that in this moment. I saw this lady coming in with his arm, like, hanging down, and, and uh, the big rock that was there, it was pretty exciting. Uh, we're, so, we're so excited, and everyone in this room uh, has been excited. And I know Crean and I, in all honesty, have been praying for you both uh, on, on this, uh, uh, and, and get excited that we get to celebrate with, with you uh, today. Well, a few things uh, cross our mind. We've been praying for the last number of months, and we celebrate with uh, the North Point leadership team, the transition team. We're so grateful for the, for the leadership that comes from the district office, uh, Clint Mix and the others who support, for Tim and Roxanne and the tremendous job that they did in this season of transition, and so grateful for godly leadership that comes there. We're excited as well for the family, the North Point family. And what this means. We're excited today that uh, others come to greet, celebrate, join in in this special occasion. And maybe if you're thinking, hey, I might be looking for a new church, today would be a good day to commit if you're in between churches and you're just wondering if you should uh, join in. But we are especially excited today for Gary and Jenny Ong and God's call upon their life and how he has graciously led them to this moment. We celebrate with them, with Leland and Corbin, and uh, as so many in this room and others beyond this room have been praying, we have been praying with you and know that God's hand is upon this moment and in, this, in the life of this church. Well, I'm going to invite you to listen in a little bit, or if you'd like to, you're welcome to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Gary and Jenny had asked that I would uh, take a passage of Scripture and highlight a couple of things from it. And so that's what we'll do if you'd give me a moment just to read these few verses of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 down through verse 10. Peter, who would write to a group of house churches scattered through the six provinces of Asia Minor, would say this in chapter 2. As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built, continuous action, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse 6, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to him 
who believe this, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were designed for. But you, again, the verses that Spencer had just read to us a moment or two ago, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that may declare the praises of him, or in one English trans- translation it says, that declare the wondrous acts of God, that you were called out of the darkness into his light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You might say that behind this text, there's one question that kind of lies there that the people are wondering and Peter is seeking to answer, and it is simply this. Who are these people that are identified in Jesus Christ? Who are these particular unique people? How would you describe them? In the first century, with the, with the advance of the Roman Empire and these little pockets of believing Christians, maybe house churches of five or six or so uh, scattered through various towns, maybe groups of people anywhere from 12 to 20 or so gathered in little huddles, much like we've experienced during COVID, the question might be asked, who are they? What is their role? What is their purpose? What is their place? Not a dissimilar question that we might ask ourselves again on this important day as we turn a page and begin something brand new. Who are we as a church, as a community? What does it mean to be a people that are identified in, through, and defined by Jesus Christ himself? What is our place in this world? For so many, we find ourselves stepping back. In the midst of COVID, with all the tensions and turmoils, with all the things we scroll through on our social devices, we find ourselves at times wondering, really, who am I? Am I connected to church anymore? Does this church have a purpose? Have things changed so much? Has God seemed to have lifted his hand? And we come back to the text and to the scripture, and we begin to see some things. If we had the time to go back and read, and we won't, to the very beginning of the letter that Peter would write to the churches in Asia Minor, we would hear words like this. As he begins, he would say, to God's elect. And then a moment or two later in verse uh, 1, he would say, to God's elect, the chosen people, uniquely chosen uniquely gathered together. If we'd read all the way down the first chapter and all the way through the second chapter and into the third chapter, we would also hear language and words like this. A people who have been redeemed, a people who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, a people who have been defined, shaped, set apart, a chosen treasure by God, a people who have been set apart as a priesthood, a holy priesthood, set apart to God, And set apart, he would say in that verse that we're going to come back to again at the end, as a royal priesthood. Somehow there is this unique identity that defines both the first century church and North Point Community Church today on this day. That redefines who they are and continues to define who they are. And that is simply this. They are a distinct people uniquely indwelt by Jesus Christ. And that distinction changes everything. 
Now, Peter would go on to say, using the first verse in chapter 1, he would say, to God's elect, the scattered people, the exiles, he would actually say. The exiles who are scattered uh, uh, beyond the six or amongst the six provinces. He would also add words in chapter 1 and 2, words like to the foreigners, speaking of these believing Christians, to those who are going to endure hardships and trials and difficulties, to those who face challenges that they don't know uh, ahead of them. These are the ones who are defined in Jesus Christ, and yet in the midst of this tension between two worlds, they are a people shaped, discovered, redeemed, cleansed, anointed, and yet in the midst of the world around them. The tension is real. In fact, we might acknowledge to ourselves even this afternoon that the tension is real in our lives. Certainly, my guess is, for so many in this room, our heart beats with our joy and our gratitude towards God and his faithfulness in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and the offer of salvation to each of us. Certainly, we've come alive in new birth and hope and we have that eternal hope that Pastor Bob talked about on the screen. Certainly, we have all that, but the truth is we find ourselves again and again, day after day, through the grind of COVID, through the grind of masks, through the grind of the screens, through the grind of losing jobs and losing incomes and all the transitions that we might face, we find ourselves in the place in attention because we live in this world. And sometimes it feels like we just don't belong. Exiles, foreigners. It's kind of like being an Oilers fan in the midst of a Calgary flame kind of a city. It's just not easy sometimes, unless it's this year, and unless it's, sorry, I won't go to back to Friday night. We won't do that. The people that Peter talks about, the people that define uh, that are in this early church are, are the same kinds of people that are in this room today, the people who are distinctly remade in Jesus Christ. And that grace of God, that work of God, changes not only the present, but it changes always the future and the hope that lies ahead. And so we find ourselves, as we look at this passage and think about it, that what becomes important in our passage is an image. It's this language that's grouped around several different phrases, becoming living stones. A spiritual house, Peter says in verse 5 of chapter 2. A holy, set-apart group of people who act like priests. Now, for many of us, if we didn't grow up in a Catholic background or we didn't have any inclinations to uh, any kind of first century uh, worship or the Old Testament kind of worship, the thought of being priests, a holy priest, it kind of escapes us. Peter would want us to know today through the presence and the work of the Spirit teaching that what would shape this people is first their identity in Jesus and secondly that identity that propels them forward as a group of priests. Now the work of the priests in the temple in the Old Testament was really quite simple. 
On behalf of the people, on the one hand, they came into the temple and they offered the sacrifices, taking that which was gratitude uh, offerings or, or sin offerings or whatever the offerings would be, and they would take them and they'd put them on the altar and they would be kind of sent the representatives to God for the people. But the other side of the work of the priests is the offer of reconciliation, of forgiveness, the offer of God's presence that would be work would also be they would do, in a sense, the work of God on behalf of the people. And so on the, well, on the one hand, they spend time in the temple. On the other hand, they continue to engage the, the people. On the one hand, while this nation was formed and shaped by God, this nation was literally indwelt by God as God would live in the temple and the priests would do their work. So then when we come to language of Peter in his letter that he write to these scattered group of house Christians, people in small clusters wondering if it was worth it to surrender, to live for, to give their lives after this thing called Jesus Christ. They find themselves being called not just to their identity, but an identity that demands a purpose, a direction, a place in the midst of this world this tension that we face. And in fact, it would be important to observe and maybe even put in our memories we think into the future that the priests had a kind of a rhythm that they would go through. They would have assignments and duties, and just like you and I, when we gather together as a church, when North Point community comes together, it's fundamental that we come and renew our identity around the table, the Eucharist, the bread, and the cup. It's fundamental that we come and we offer our praises and our gratitude. It's fundamental that we reconcile and we offer grace and forgiveness to one another, that we bear burdens to one another, for this is the rhythm of the priestly work that God might call us to, both now and into the future. And so the distinctive nature of these people, of this people, is a distinction that propels them forward into a priestly work a work that demands something genuine. And in fact, what so often belies the church today is a lack of interaction with both the divine and the world around. A lack of interaction where at times we find ourselves so holy and so set apart that we have no engagement with the world around us or the other way. So engaged in the things of the world that we've lost our taste, our uniqueness, our distinction. And the two being held together first in Christ, doing the work of holding the two together and then serving, loving, being a witness. And in a sense, verse 9 would sum it all together. As a community of faith, we declare, we live out both with words and with our actions. The way we live is a people who live in the midst of the tensions of the world. We sit with neighbor, with friend, with co-worker, and we cry and we weep and we lament. We lift up and we pray and we let them know, I'll be praying for you. In fact, my life group, my small group will be praying for you. In fact, I'm going to let a couple of other of my friends, if you're okay with it, we're going to be praying for you. This is really tough what you're going through. We sit with people, we give, we sacrifice we give and we sacrifice from some more. And then we come back and we gather together and we worship and we praise and we join our hearts in unity and, and, and we gather and our hearts are renewed in the priestly rhythms. And then we go back into the world and we serve and we give and we sacrifice. 
we sit with the poor and we lament and we cry and we plead to God on behalf of the world around us. For this is the work of what we are called to do, a church set apart in Christ Jesus for the sake of others. A few things then that I'd like to just bring, bring this all, all home. In the midst of all this, Peter makes it clear that part of what he wants these early church Christians and part of what I might suggest we could take for ourselves as a community of faith today is simply this. That whatever the past has been no longer defines our future in Jesus Christ. Whatever sin or darkness or whatever elements have, have been a part of that, certainly there's choices and consequences that come with me forward into my life. I live with those very things. But in Jesus Christ now, both who I am securely in Christ and who I am called to be as a follower of Christ is now defined by the present and ongoing reality of my calling in Him. If you'd let me just say this to Gary and Jenny Ong. We're so proud of who you are in Christ. There's only three people that I know, Stephen Toon and Gary and Jenny Ong, who have tasted the deep grace of God in ways that so many of us have never had. What you offer now in Christ, we see this room testifies. What you offer now in Christ is not your past story, but as the present reality of who you are in Christ, you see our humanness, you see our potential, you see our joy. We talk to you, we interact with you, we get a 5.27 a.m. text from you. Who gets up at that time of the day? That's what I want to know. Gary Ong does. And we see the abundance of hope that you have in us. We see that God has called you in this moment into this place not just because we see this would be a great opportunity for you. That's the language of the world around you. No, in this world, in this time, and in this place, God has put his hand upon you to lead and to lead forward. This is your time, and you walk forward in Christ. We're so delighted in this, in this opportunity, in this day that's here. We praise you for that and praise God even more. To the North Point Church and to the North Point family, I might add this. So many people have memories. I'm struggling with this mic. So many people have memories. Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. You are not defined by the past. You are defined by who you are in Christ Jesus. And you are defined by the hopeful future that lies ahead. What a great moment this is as you not only sit here and later stand together with the community of faith, but you stand in Christ Jesus knowing that he continually until his return calls you to launch forward into the world to do your priestly work. The opportunity, the, the, the calling, the work that God has for you is still great. And here's the other thing I might add to the, to the church family. It will not be easy work. You will continually be called to surrender and give more. For those of you who are maybe thinking, I think we're on the back end of COVID. I'm so glad we have these two co-lead pastors now in place. 
I can take a little kind of less responsibility. The truth is, God is just shifting the assignment and turning you outward so that you can continue to give, stand with, sacrifice, lay down even more. The work ahead of you will be great. Hope-built, Christ-centered, led by the Spirit, no doubt. But it will cost you much. And so finally, to each of us, even myself included in this, we need to continue to be faithful to the priestly rhythms of the table, of prayer, of Scripture, of gathering together and carrying one another's burdens, of loving one another, of reaching across social media if that's the only way that we can do it these days, of identifying ourselves in Christ as a community that's now being reshaped and re reframed by who, in who we are in Christ and carrying on the task and the responsibilities both with one another and then through those priestly rhythms preparing ourselves to step into the world to serve. Let me end by again reading these great words of Peter. Peter would say to the North Point community and to all of us in this room, you, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy set apart to God, set apart to Jesus Christ kind of a nation. You are God's special possession. And you are all of that so that you would do one thing through your life, through your actions, through your representation in this world, that you would declare the wondrous, glorious, beautiful acts of God in this world. That you would give testimony again and again what's happening in you, what's happening in, in the community together. That you would testify through what you say and how you posture, how you use your money. That you would surrender yourself again and again and your lives would be this wonderful reflection of light into the darkness. Let me just close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for the gift of your word, but even more for the gift of Christ who makes it all come alive. We pray through the power and the presence of your spirit that you would continue to push deeper in to the community called North Point Community Church. That Christ, not only would you shape deeply, but the glorious work within would be a great reflection of declaration without. We ask this simply in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.